Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Ren Robbins, and I'm excited that you're here. This is the place where you will feel encouraged as I share with you my friends' God stories. Whether you are on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or taking me along with you on your walk, I pray that you will feel seen by God and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Let's jump in. Well, y'all, welcome to the podcast. I cannot wait to share with you my new online friend, Brittany Brooker. And I want to share with you um, her story, but let me tell you a little bit about her before I welcome her on. Uh, Brittany shares her story of God's faithfulness through the deep grief of becoming a young widow, a single mom of three boys, and through blending a family deeply affected by trauma. Brittany lives in Atlanta where she remarried a widower named Daniel, and together they have five precious children in their Brooker bunch. I love that they call themselves that. When Brittany isn't at home being a chaos coordinator, (laughs) she travels the country speaking about motherhood, teaching on the word of God, grief, loss, and the hope that we have in Jesus. She's also a blogger, a singer, songwriter for Elm Music. So I want to welcome my new friend, Brittany, to the podcast. Welcome, Brittany. Thanks, girl. It is such an honor to be here with you. It's so fun. We met on Instagram, as most people do nowadays, right? I know, right? Like, welcome to the gram. <laughs> and um, I had heard her story a few years ago, and just continuing to follow her on Instagram has been such a blessing. Her stories are so just real, but so focused on the Lord. So we're going to talk about a few of those stories that I've said today, but but I'm excited that you're here. And um, she has an incredible story. And, and the main thing that I see on Instagram, Brittany, is the faithfulness of God come out and that you are focused on him. It seems like every conversation you have with your followers on Instagram, on Insta stories, and you always have a word of truth to bring. And I love that so, so much about you. Thank you. Well, praise the Lord. We do do really have nothing apart from Jesus. And mm. I'm always like, listen, we are a mess express at our house. But if there's one thing that we can point to, it's Jesus because he isn't, you know, so that's what we have. And we're thankful for that. So a few years back, you were happily married and had two boys. And then one was you were pregnant with your third boy yes. at the time. And um, take us through, there was that a day, I believe, was it in September? Is that right? I don't know why I'm thinking yes. September. Okay, September. And um, your world changed. It changed yes. from totally you know, happily married life of everything's going well, and then just devastation. So can you take us back to that day and just the thoughts that were going through your head and a little bit about that day? Yeah, absolutely. So I was 25 and I had three boys. So my um, youngest was actually born. He was a newborn. (gasps) Okay. I'm sorry. So yeah. So he was a teeny tiny little muffin. (laughs) So cute. And a one and a half year old and then an almost three year old. And so, um, you know how it is when you first have your baby and you're just like in major survival mode. And so we were totally in the (laughs) basement. 
barely making it. And so I had finally like gotten all the kids out for Bible study. Like we made it finally, you know what I mean? Um, because you know, for a while you're just barely, you know, hanging in there. So we went there. Um, and then I got a phone call when I was at Bible study, just doing like a normal part of our life that something happened with my husband. And so, um, he was in law enforcement at the time. And so they said, you know, it's raining and there's a lot of accidents, so we can get you there a lot faster. So just hang on. We'll be there in a second. I'm like, okay, yeah, get me to my man as fast as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, but about an hour or so later when I went to the hospital, um, I was just so shocked when they told me that my husband, who's perfectly healthy, 30 year old man, just dropped dead at work and his heart just stopped beating. And they said, we have no idea why it doesn't make sense. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, I just saw him like this cannot be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, just so shocked. Yet in that same moment, in that same breath, I have never felt the presence of the living God in such an enormous way. Mm-hmm. Then in that moment where you feel like, I should be drowning, and yet God is literally holding me. Like when he says he upholds his people, I mean, he was upholding us. And come to find out, literally, like hundreds of people around the world knew at that point that my husband had passed away, and I was like the last person to find out. And so um, when God really says that he answers the cry of his people, people were praying for comfort even in that moment when my entire world changed forever. And so... I do have to say, like, obviously that's the worst thing that's ever happened to me and the hardest thing, but I would not know the tender love of God in the way that I do unless I had walked through the darkest valleys and the hardest places. And so that started just our journey of walking through pain and, you know, unless you walk through something so deep and dark, you don't really understand what other people have been doing because With grief, you look normal on the outside, Hmm. yet on the inside, nothing's the same. And so I just remember feeling like I had days that I have no idea how I'm still alive and feeling this much pain. Like I have no idea. And so it opened my eyes to so many people. So now it's like when I travel and I walk through the airport, I look at everyone and I think everyone's got a story. You have no idea what anybody is going through because this person could have just lost their spouse or they could have just lost their baby or their daughter, whatever. I mean, everyone is walking through some type of pain and loss in their life. And so that was definitely not something that I had planned in my life. Mm. Um, but Jesus held us and man, the anchor holds secure. Mm. Well, and you know, we think about that, like, and I think of like friends I've talked to, it's like, that would be like, the hardest thing we would walk through, you know, that would be like one of our fears of losing our spouse or losing one of our children. And so, but but you can see how it's, it is totally the Lord. I mean, totally the presence of God that just walked in and picked, like you said, you were being held. I mean, you can't, it's a supernatural thing you cannot describe. Correct. Oh yeah. And you can't take credit for it. And that's the Mm. beauty of God's glory and his presence is when he is so into something, nobody else is on display, but him. And so Mm. when I look back at those seasons and when I walk other widows through and they say, say, how did you nurse, you know, all throughout the night and your baby's crying, waking up for their, you know, dad. And then the newborn's crying, you know, we'd all be up in the middle of the night and I lived by myself. And Mm. I, you know, I, I say, I didn't, 
I didn't do it. God did it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he literally did every bit of it. And I look back and I think there's no way I could have survived that a second without him. And I would do that. I mean, we would tuck my babies into bed at night and I would get on my living room floor and I would weep. And I'd say, you have to do this because I can't do it. You have mm-hmm. to show up right now, God. You say that you are near to the brokenhearted. You say you will sustain our spirits. You say, and I would just claim those promises of God and say, I'm going to hold you to this. And you've got to hold us up. And every time that instead of trying to do it like, oh, I've got the strength. I'm going to suck it up. Mm-hmm. I can do this. I can do hard things. Instead of having that mentality, really coming and saying, God, like, I am so broken. I can't hold myself up. I can't like, you have to do this. And when we humble ourselves before God and we say, God, I have nothing apart from you. Mm-hmm. He literally shows up in a way that only he can. And when you say in scripture, you know how it says that our hope and he's our anchor and he's our secure. And that's when an anchor is, is it is your security. When all the storms are coming in and raging that he is the one that holds true. He's our cornerstone. He is our foundation that when everything else crumbles, we fall upon the rock of ages, the one that stays secure. And um, the Bible says that when we are overwhelmed, look to the rock that is higher than I. And so when you are in the lowest, darkest, darkest places, we have to look up, you know, and the Lord just really did it. I'm so thankful for him. Well, and I'm so grateful that you you know, look to him because, I mean, you think about others that have grieved and in the past have grieved and they don't have the Lord in their life. I mean, just... Uh, I'm I'm grieved for them because of the hope that we have in Him and and literally the supernatural power that is Christ in us. I mean that's you can't describe that. That is that's awesome. It's, it's and that's a- what makes you passionate. You know when you walk mm-hmm. through it and when you see people that are walking through the same loss that have no hope. Mm-hmm. I mean that is what fires me up every day to say, you know what? Nobody likes sharing about the most painful part of their life. Nobody mm-hmm. likes sharing about that. It's mm-hmm. so hard. But when I see these other people that are not making it because they have no hope, that makes me go, you know what? we have a fire inside of us that is burning saying, listen, there is hope even in the darkest places. And man, by God's grace, may we always live every breath proclaiming that very hope until the day God calls me home because there is no hope apart from him. But if we don't have that, people have no reason to breathe or live Mm. without hope. Absolutely. Wow. Preach girl. Yes. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Okay, so let me ask you this, because, you know, now you are um, in your bio. I read a little bit about um, marrying Daniel, and then now you'll have five children together, one more on the way, um, because his story is similar to yours in that he was a um, widower. And so tell us a little bit about how just the blending of the two families happened. Yeah, so um, it's crazy. (laughs) I mean, when we got married, we had five kids, six and under. I mean, that's insane. So one of the big parts of his story that really does affect a lot of things is his two kids are adopted from two different families. Um, And so there's a lot of layers of trauma um, that comes with adoption sometimes when you were adopted from hard places. And then they lost their greatest you know, security with their adopted mama when they were young. And then you walk through a couple years of survival mode after grief and then a new family. And so 
that truly has been the most humbling thing I've ever walked through in my life. I really feel like death broke me and this has humbled me because when you have that many small children in your house, I mean, having that many small children in itself is crazy and chaotic, but when you have everyone where they're grieving Mm. and there are multiple, multiple layers that are coming out, man, (laughs) I mean... I just desperately need Jesus and help. Mm. So um, it's been a journey of really like the Lord humbling me in ways that I didn't even know that I had pride in my heart in motherhood. And Mm. when you are, you know, navigating hard days when grief is hitting and for kids, it comes out in ugly ways a lot of times. And, you know, always happens when you're in public, you know, all the humbling things. Um, But I will say that the Lord has used it in a way to show me just more of himself and to rely on him and that we really can't do it apart from him. And so it was a lot of, um, a lot of counselors and a lot of therapists helping us and a lot of fasting. Fasting is something that I feel like not a lot of people talk about, but there's some breakthrough that only comes through fasting and praying and scripture teaches that. And I feel like when we got to the end of ourselves saying, okay, God, we have begged you for healing for these kids. Mm. We have done everything we know to do, but it's not working. We don't know what else to do. And yet when we felt like the Lord said, okay, then you need to fast and pray. Like, are you really doing everything to really bring it before me? And so I'd say a lot of the breakthrough happened in our hearts of really releasing dreams of what I thought this would look like and picking up the dream that God gave me. And that's a new dream. And so sometimes we think blending or bringing things together will look a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, But brokenness can be beautiful even when it's not all whole yet. You know, and so I think God really holds holds you through the hurt and he really holds you through the healing and healing is not always beautiful. There's a lot of ugliness that can come out. And just because ugliness is coming out doesn't mean healing's not happening. A lot of times it's bringing out the deepest, darkest fears that your kids are navigating. And I mean, I remember my son putting rocks behind Daniel's tires um, because he thought if he left the house that he was going to die. And so just things that you don't expect, or even for me, you know, like Daniel would be going to hang out with a widower and pour into them and, you know, get home at 1am and be like, why haven't you gone to sleep? And I'm like, I'm afraid if I go to sleep the next morning, you're going to leave. And I didn't say goodbye to you and you'll die. And he's like, what? (laughs) You know, you have these crazy things that God just has to do healing. And I will say that, you know, we're almost four years into it and God has done a mighty work and we are abundantly grateful and we have so far to go, but he's been so kind to us in the process. Mm. Well, I love, I did not know that extra layer um, of y'all's story about um, adoption in the mix, but I love how you just point it back to the Lord that He is sustaining you and He's showing you where to do and that it's messy. You know, it's it not so just messy. a, you know, like, oh, today we're we're healed. You know, we're all, everybody. Pretty much moment, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to, yeah, you, you have to, I mean, I think that's why you're so endearing is that you're so real to say, you know, we are still in the process of this. Um, but how neat to share your story before, you know, everything is healed and really, and, and there'll be, you know, on this side of heaven, we're never going to be, you know, totally healed, but thank the Lord. We have hope. We have hope um, and have it. And for the kids to see y'all grieving. And so for them to see that in you 
and y'all are modeling, I mean, fasting and praying. Yeah. A lot of people don't talk about it because a lot of people don't do it. And my, myself, it's hard. it's so hard. Yeah. That's really encouraging. So when you are on Instagram in stories uh, recently, I saw one where you were talking about having an eternal perspective and having really like eternal eyes, have heaven's eyes. How do you do that? How do you see past? Um, and, and I'm sure going through grief, deep grief like this will enable you. God enables you to to have more, you know, an eternal perspective. But how do you do that for your kids? How do you really model that for your kids? You know, it is a constant journey. You know, isn't sanctification? It yeah. is. We never arrive. And I don't think any amount of walking through loss gives you the, um, you know, the past. Like, okay, the rest of your life, you will never struggle with yeah. having eternal eyes. No, we're human. We're flesh. We're going to struggle. And I think sometimes when you walk through so much pain, you just want peace so bad. And it's not even like the worldly kind of things. You just want peace. Like you just want mm. everyone to be okay. Yeah. Everyone to feel okay for a little bit. Mm. And so I would say one of the big things for me that I have to guard my heart major with is what we consume. Because really what comes out of my mouth, what comes through my thought process, what comes in my actions and what I do, um, what comes in my time, my treasures, my talents, all of those things are affected by what we consume. Mm. And so if I am consuming more time in the world in what people are doing, um, the way other people's lives are. Um, I mean, just anything that you are consuming yourself, it can be even good things. It can be healthy things like working out. It could be food. I mean, so many different things we can try to fill our lives with. Um, and there's only one thing that satisfies and that's Jesus and his word. And so I find that when I am not spending time before the Lord in his word, my perspective is faltering. I mean, it just is. Mm -hmm. And yet when I spend time before him saying, Lord, speak, God, would you just speak? Give me revelation according to your word. Teach me your ways, O God, that I may have a heart of wisdom. And when we sit before him, he does speak. And I'm telling you, mm -hmm. we leave different. Like there is no wasted time in the presence of God. No wasted time. And so when we say, this is an investment, eternal investment that I will always, always get return on. And knowing that's what helps our perspective. It's the lens from which we view everything in life. And so if my lens are the worldly lens, I mean, I can look back, I can look at the grave and say, you know what death did to me? It took this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. And you know how death has affected my life every single day? And like that is thinking only of yourselves and only the foot down in front of you. Mm -hmm. But when we put our eyes and we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, when we fix our eyes on heaven, it broadens our entire range of what we are looking at. And so all of a sudden our perspective is not on us. It's on his kingdom, his glory, his purpose. And God, what is this in your purpose? How can I use what I'm going through for your glory. God, what are you trying to do in me? God, it is a privilege to go through this pain because I know that your purpose is greater than that, what I'm going through. And scripture teaches that, that this present moment, um, 
God is producing something far greater in us for the eternal glory that the weight will be more than this temporary pain. And that's kind of hard for us to mm. understand, like temporary pain, because you know what? It feels forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like we're like, oh, wow, you know, that felt like two seconds. No, I mean, it feels forever. Mm-hmm. But when you have that eternal perspective going This is my temporary life. God has eternity forever. And so in this temporal life, God, may you be magnified. May you be glorified. God, help me to view things through your lens. It really does change things. And I constantly have to repent of that and say, Lord, I was not looking through that lens. God, I've been consuming things that have been affecting the way I think or affecting the way I'm viewing my kids or my husband or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think part of you know, modeling that with your kids is asking their forgiveness too. Yeah. I mean, there are times where I have to say, mommy's so sorry. I've been on my phone too much mm-hmm. and I'm sorry. That was wrong. I was really like fixing my eyes on the world and not fixing my eyes where God has me, which a lot of times is the hidden places that God calls you to. And just because mm-hmm. it's hidden doesn't mean it's not holy. A lot of times God does the holy things in the hidden places that he's called us to, but we don't want to stay there because it's, not fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And and you feel like when it's hidden, is it even like, am I even, is it worth it? Am I doing anything, you know, for the kingdom? It's hidden. But wow, those hidden things, like you said, hidden places. And that's when the holy things happen. They and do. a lot of this is, I was writing down when you were saying um, that is that it's a lot of dying to self. I mean, it is really, you know, Galatians 2.20, I am uh, crucified with Christ. You know, I mean, it really is um, because we can't do this in our own strength. And then it's also, it's, you know, motherhood is sanctifying, but just living, you know, a Christian life is sanctifying as well. So it is dying to self. That's what I heard um, when you were saying And dying to the dreams and expectations we have. Because I think that's what gets us in trouble so much too. It's like, Mm -hmm. I had this expectation for this day or this expectation for this season of life or whatever you thought it would look like. And so dying to that and saying, nope, like, I, God, what is your expectation for this season? And sometimes I, I'm like, I'm in a season right now where I'm having to rest way more than I'm used to because yes. this precious little pumpkin God's growing <laughs> is high maintenance. Okay, girl. Oh, <laughs> and so it's been such a high maintenance pregnancy. And so mm. with it, the Lord is teaching me to rest. And it's not fun mm. to learn how to rest. But that does not mean just because I'm not doing as much. Um that I'm not hearing from God as much because sometimes we equate doing things for God as serving God and being closer to God. But really God is after our heart and the attitude of our heart in all things, whether it's resting on bed rest, whether it's serving someone, bringing someone a meal, doing laundry or, you know, cleaning up that toilet after your kids threw up and with a happy heart, you know, Um, all the things, you know, it's not holier to speak on stage than it is to disciple your kids in the hidden dark places where nobody sees. It's not. God's mm. after our hearts and all of it. Mm. That's so true. Because I was talking to a friend that she was in, had a surgery and she was having to rest. And she said, do you, do you know how hard this is for me? Mm-hmm. And I just thought when you were saying that, that it is resting is a really difficult spot for us to be. And we sometimes, you know, in our flesh, we crave that outside attention. We crave to go and do big mm-hmm. things Absolutely. for God. But then really in reality, 
he's got us here with our kids. You know, we've got our kids, you know, it's, it's the hidden places. It's the, you know, reading through the Bible at night with our kids and talking about, you know, loving and serving others and first John four, seven and eight that we just did, you know, it's, it's those, those moments that are making a difference in our kids' lives. And that's where God, when we give it up and say, you know, it's what you want God. And not and the best place is to be the center of his will. And sometimes it is doing yucky things. It's messy places. And sometimes, you know, it just looks different, but being obedient whenever that looks like, you know. Yeah. And he's going to show us like I, I feel, you know, if you are submitted to the Lord, he's going to show you where exactly where he Absolutely. wants you at that moment. So, um, OK, I want to tell ask, ask you another question about the green grapes on Instagram. OK, <laughs> I see grapes. the green grapes. So I want to hear the story, a little of the story behind the scenes about that. Yeah. So um, so this baby actually is the same due date as my last little guy, which is crazy. So oh. um, so all of things are same. So I'm a craving a lot of the same things <laughs> and you know it's in the dead of winter and so mm. I really craved crunchy green grapes which I have every night mm. um but it reminded me of when I was pregnant with um, my little guy you know right before my husband passed away and we were on super tight budget like $40 a week for groceries and so there was no room to budge like for cravings or you know you just made things worth lots of rice and beans and we were so happy and so thankful like it was just we just watched God show up it was abundantly amazing but I remember one time my dad asking something like oh are you craving something I was like oh green grapes blah 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 well I don't know why at the time green grapes were like so expensive in the store Mm -hmm. and so I remember looking at them going okay we can't afford this because then we can't get what I needed for my other kids to eat Mm -hmm. and so I put it back and I was like, it's fine. Like, I'll just eat whatever, you know, no big deal. Well, like the next day, my dad shows up with this whole bunch of these crispy green grapes. Mm. And I just remember thinking, like, if so, our earthly fathers care so dear for us, God cares even more so for us. So every time I eat green grapes, I think about how God cares about every little things in our hearts and that nothing is too little to bring to him. Every mm. little desire, every little thing. And so... You know, even with my kids now, as we're going through this thing with, you know, needing things with the babies or um, things with our hearts and with healing or school things or whatever, just saying, no, let's talk to Jesus about it. Let's bring that to him because he cares about all of that and how even in that moment, that felt like I just felt like the richest girl in the world, you know, because I had green grapes. That's amazing. (laughs) It was just a kindness of um, a father and how Jesus just cares about every little detail. Every little detail. Well, and I, I mean, you never look at green grapes the same way, right? No, no, definitely don't. Precious. What a sweet dad. I mean, I'm tearing up just thinking about it, like how precious that is and a picture of the Lord doing that for you. Wow. Okay. So I know that um, we're almost out of time, but what would you say to the woman tonight or the man that occasionally I have a man, a man, a man listener, man listener, that sounds weird. But what would you (laughs) say to a um, woman who has uh, is in the valley of grief right now that she's either lost her husband or she has lost a mom um her her mom or her dad or somebody so close to her or even you know a miscarriage what would you say to her right now 
Um, there's so much, but I would say there's no shortcuts to the valley of the shadow of death. And so many times we want to take the shortcut to get out. We want to fill it with something else, ignore it, instead of sit there and feel it. And so a lot of times, I mean, God says you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say that we build a house there and we get comfortable there and we say, okay, we're going to stay here the rest of our lives. No, we're going to walk. And sometimes that looks like we're crawling. Sometimes you might have a good day and you feel like you're running, but as long as we're moving in it, um, but not trying to go around it because so often nobody likes to feel pain. And so we want to avoid it. Um, but I would say, fuel your soul. Like there's a lot of places that will grow numb, but do not forget that your soul needs to be fed. And that's where God will speak to you. And don't be afraid to be quiet. Don't be afraid to cry. There's just so much that God can do that literally the most precious times of my entire life were in the darkest parts of my life. And I think everybody I know that's walked through it, there's treasures in the darkness if you have eyes to see it. And I think so many times we try to rush through it that we miss what God's doing in it. And so um, first off, for whoever's going through that, I'm so sorry for your pain and you are not forgotten. God sees you and he cares for you. And I pray that God just continually surrounds you with people that know that it still hurts and that it doesn't go away. And so, and it is a journey. And so often like after the funeral, everyone's lives go back to normal yet nothing in your life has ever gone back to normal ever again. And so in the midst of knowing that we serve a God that sees and cares. And so I often think about the dark of night where I was rocking my baby in the middle of the night, just weeping, saying, God, I can't do this. And um, why did you call my kids to this? Why did you call me to this? And I just remember God's spirit filling that room. Um, and so crying out to him and allowing him to come into those places um, and not filling it with other things. Like I could have been on my phone that whole time during the middle of the night scrolling the gram. You know, you could be doing so many things, but when you put it down and you are still and you cry out and you say, God, speak, he will. And that's where the healing happens. It really happens in those dark moments when you call out to him. That's precious. Thank you for sharing that. And for anyone that's out there that they can, they have hope, they have hope in Jesus. And and you just won't always be this way. You know, Mm -hmm. God does healing and I am not the same person. I'm not in the same place that I was five and a half years ago by the grace of Jesus almighty, you know, and you won't either. And so sometimes you just need to remember it will not always be this way. My kids are going to be okay. I used to think my kids are never going to be okay. Like we are going to always be this crazy people. (laughs) And I will tell you, my kids are doing awesome and they Mm. are happy, joyful kids that are Mm. full of life. And the devil tried to steal, kill and destroy and he did not win. God Mm. got the victory. And so claiming victory over your family and your kids saying, the death does not win in our home. It does not have the final say. Jesus says, I'm telling you, God will do so much. And there is victory and hope that rests in Jesus alone. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Well, and, you know, I'm thinking about the verse that says that if you have um, been comforted, that you can comfort others. And so you have done that in your widow's retreat. So I do want to ask you a little bit about that. Can you share about what started this retreat that you get to speak to women and really to just love on them? Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
You know, it's kind of like when you're pregnant, all of a sudden you notice that all these people that are pregnant are like, wow, I didn't know there was many pregnant people in the world. <laughs> and yeah. I, I feel like when I became a widow, all of a sudden mm. I was like, oh my goodness, has there always been in this many young widows? Wow. And so you just get a, I mean, God's just given me and my husband just a heart for hurting people. And it's mm. um, in all walks, in all things, yeah. because pain is pain and everyone's walking mm. through something. And so, and grief is grief. And so um, anyways, God just surrounded me with some amazing young widows that were ahead of me. And so I get to serve alongside of them and widows come from all over the country and come get loved on, get poured into. Um, and it's just such a sweet, gift. So I'm so thankful for that. And um, it's just a joy to be able to serve. I'm actually leaving this week to do my last one before my maternity leave, (laughs) Um, which is fun. And then um, Daniel did his first widower's retreat, which was a huge step of faith that we felt like God was calling him to do. So he actually planned and led that. And God brought these men with all these little tiny kids. I mean, that's something you don't think about either is these Mm -hmm. widowers that some of these people, their wife died in childbirth even, or they have three little toddlers. And so it's like these daddies dealing with these teeny tiny babies going, how do I do this? My wife isn't here. Um, It happened all of a sudden. And so Mm -hmm. Daniel just was seeing all that too. And you're just like, okay, God, who is reaching out to these people? Because nobody knows what to do with us young people. <laughs> you know, it's like the 80 year olds that have the pacemakers that are like, my husband died and it hurts. And it's so yes. hard for them too. But then you have this group of women that are like young and mm-hmm. they have to raise these kids by themselves. And all of a sudden you're like, I, where do I belong? Yes. I don't feel single. I feel married, but I'm a widow. What is that even allowed to be for a 25 mm-hmm. year old? But yeah, it's a club nobody wants to belong to. Mm-hmm. Yet it's such a gift to know you're never alone in it. Yeah. So where can people go to find some more information about these retreats that y'all put on and that you help with? Um. So neveralonewidows.com. Okay. That's great. That's amazing. I was talking to somebody the other day and her daughter-in-law went to one of your retreats. And so it was really meaningful to her to have a place that she could go, a young mom. So, um, okay. So let me ask you this. Where can people connect with you uh, online? So Instagram's probably the main place. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, website, whatever, but it's all under Brittany Price Brooker. Okay. Which I know is like really confusing, but I just kind of have a lot of names because of my story. Well, and you know, yeah. you're just trying to honor all the people. So. That's right. That's right. No, that's good. Yeah. And you are delightful on Instagram and I love following along and hearing from you. But there are three questions that I ask all my guests at the end of the episode. Hey. What are you eating, reading, and loving? Okay. Eating. I yeah. mean, you know. Again, I'm that weird pregnant person, but um, I'm obsessed with all things arugula right now. I just want to eat arugula salads all day. Um, I love arugula and avocado and green grapes. And green grapes. All of it's green. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, that is funny, actually. I didn't think about that. So, um, yes, that's what I eat like all day. Um, And then reading, I just finished The Hiding Place, the story of Corey Ten Boone. And Mm -hmm. I've read that a couple times in my life, Mm -hmm. but I read it very different this time around. And Mm -hmm. it was, I mean, so impactful. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was staying up till 2 a.m., which is terrible. I don't have time for that. Um, (laughs) But it was so good. I couldn't put it down. And then I'm reading. Um, becoming Elizabeth Elliot right now, um, which okay. I love her story. She's just amazing and a firecracker, which I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
And then what was the other question? The what third are you one loving? Like, what am I loving? Slow mornings. Mm. Um, we finally have gotten into, when I say finally, I'm saying we've had three days. Okay. Three days. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I count. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit of routine after some craziness um, mm. with COVID shutdowns around here and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, slow mornings. I mean, there is nothing like sitting in front of the fire with a cup mm. of coffee in your Bible by yourself. I mean, there wow. is that is just glorious, you know. Now, how do you do that? With uh, do your kids get up early? I have one, and he gets up early, so I don't know how to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, y'all, I don't even want to tell you what time they like to wake up, but. Um, they like to sleep in. <laughs> oh, that's good. Hey, take it. Take it. You I mean, yeah, they're like their mama. So um, right. some of them do. And then some, the early risers, they have mm. their little morning routine that they do. And perfect. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a gift. I mean, it's not like, I, you know, they're sleeping until nine or anything. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, for a while, I was waking up at 5 a.m. And this this mama just can't handle that very long. Mm-mm. So. I'm thankful now getting up at seven. That's that's, that's amazing. Well, and also you're pregnant. So that's a yes. good thing. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's great that you're able to to have some time and they get to sleep in. That's good. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This is incredible. You your story. So I mean, you are just a light. Um, and I, I mean, preach girl, you know, like everything you said, I was like, yes, this is this is so good. And we need more of this in our lives. We need it more um, on Instagram. We need this more in our earbuds. So I appreciate you so much. And um, man, I just love following along and seeing how you're training and teaching your kids because it encourages me and um, training my little guy. So thank you so much for coming. Well, on. Thank the you show. for your ministry, girl. I'm so thankful for you and your heart mm. for Jesus and for others and you bringing hope to the earbuds, you know, you mm. being a voice <laughs> and bringing encouragement to people. So thank you for your ministry and what you do. It's an honor to be a part of this. Thank you, girl. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for today's show. For more encouragement, hop on over to Instagram at Friends of a Feather Podcast. I would love for you to send me a direct message and say hi. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Remember, we are all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.